Want to learn how to put together a podcast? Well, you're in luck. As someone who has done over 1,000 episodes of the podcast, have won awards, and have also done shows for companies and clients, I am more than happy to teach you how it is to create a podcast. In my course, you will learn the following skills. How to put together a show. What does that actually entail, whether it's audio or video? How to interview guests, how to why you would actually get guests, if that is the, whether you do them or not regularly on the show, whether or not you how to market your show, whether you're trying to make money, or even how to do some extra fun things that you never would imagine doing in a podcast. This is my course, this is how it's done, and I'm here to show you. So there for the month of December, you will get 25% off. If you register for the course, it launches for December, the week of Christmas. So definitely click on the link in the description below if you want to register. Meet Tony Scamparza, a hitman who was having a bad day. Despite the warnings of his boss, he takes the one job he should have avoided at all costs. Because of his insatiable ego, he's killed in the line of duty. However, death is now the least of his problems as he's immediately recruited by demons from hell. Demons who come to offer him a job. A job of corrupting souls, because heaven and hell are locked in a timeless battle. A battle to recruit as many souls as they can before all portals to the afterlife close and the world as we know it ends. Set in the world of Immortal Era, Corruptor is a prequel that shows the world before the curse of immortality. Join us for the 28-page debut issue where all hell is sure to break loose. I'm publicly, but also I had to see privately. I'm grateful for everybody that comes on the show. Like it really, I mean, like to be honest, truth. I'm like, look how many, I'm, you're like 1026, dude. That's a lot of really cool people I've had the pleasure of meeting. But like anything else, you have to keep the show, you have to keep the show fresh, right? Especially if you do that many of them, you want to change things up at least a little bit. And I'm looking to do more travel. Now, to be honest with you, I realize I'm not as ready for the travel as I want to be just yet. Now, that might change a lot, actually, in the next few weeks. Some good things have happened. And fingers crossed kind of thing. But it looks like some good things are, are going to go my way. So I can upgrade some equipment so when I'm on the road, it, it'll be a better experience. But I want to travel and meet some of the people I've had the pleasure of talking to in person. And what I realized is, and if I'm putting out like a contact form, part of me should be like, yeah, part of me is like, really? Like what? Like now? Like, but it also dawned on me too, after, after thinking about it, um, it's, I've opened the door for people to contact me and people know me from my podcast. Of course, people are going to ask to come on my show, on my podcast. It makes total sense. Right. Is it, is it just creative types or do you get like all sorts of random people? Creative types primarily, primarily, uh, which is, again, that's what the show is, should yeah. be, right? It should, it's, it's about creative, it's, it's about creative people. So now it's not just writers, right? Writers have been the ones that approached me that way. I've had public, like, again, in terms of me getting interviews, I've never had a problem, like ever. And which is, says a lot about, you know, maybe my personality, big mouth, whatever the case may be, right? Um, but I, I say it like that because I am grateful. But 
like anything else in life, you do want to change. You you have to change things up every so often. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I want to go on the road. I want to meet people. I want to do stupid shit on the road is basically what I want to do. And, and with creative people, because I, I have a theory about creative people, and it's this. Most of us want to go on adventures, but we're too shy to, and that's why we write books. Hmm. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. Yeah. Yeah. So any crazy adventures in, where, in your neck of the woods? Uh, well, I'm, a, I'm based out of Vancouver, so um, I, I travel quite a bit, mostly for work, uh, less, yeah. for the, less for the actual writing stuff that I do. But um, through my work, I've had the opportunity to go some some pretty cool places and stuff. But I would like to, in the future, do some more, like, creative-centered travel as well, whether that's just going to, you know, writing cons or writing um, workshops or any of the stuff that they do. I know they do a lot of it down here, so it's just a matter of getting out of the house and actually doing it. I, I got to say, a Vancouver convention is unique in that it feels like people come to experience the show, but not so much invest in the show in terms of people's mm. support and support, which is, and it's, I'm not saying it's a bad thing entirely. I get it. Like Vancouver's expensive as hell too, to live in. I've been there. I live there. So I know that and I understand that, but it's amazing. Like, like the Vancouver crowd is every city has kind of like its own personality. Right. So, and, and so now my, my, my favorite cons, I did San Diego comic-con as a pro last year that I, I cannot mm. tell you how awesome that experience was. That is like another level, um, but Vancouver generally does some nice shows. They're, they some nice shows. Calgary does some good shows too. Um, I've done Phoenix. I've done Detroit. I've done like because my family's in that at least. So I've done some shows out there too. Um, they're all they all feel everybody. Every city has like a personality that's just. Human beings are the same everywhere, but they're also just a little bit different, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Now, do you find that you're able to, like, perform at those things well? When I say perform, I mean, like, you don't have any problems with the the networking or the meeting people or the putting yourself out there, any of that kind of no, stuff? No, I uh, see, see. Okay, so I, I've told the story way back in the early, not too, about a few hundred episodes back. So I was in the seventh grade, right? I was in London, Ontario. And, and, uh, I was, it was French class and I had this like, uh, moment, basically I got called to the front. So imagine this guy, t-shirt, short shorts, and then suddenly, you know, nature takes its course and starting to hit puberty. And next thing you know, I'm standing attention for everybody to see. That's a horrible, horrible, horrible thing to have to happen to you. But the one thing it did do, the good that came from it, not much scares me. It can't get much worse, yeah. But no, no, there's really nowhere. There's nowhere to go but up, right? So yeah, I mean, and no pun intended there, but that's okay, <laughs> <laughs> right? No pun intended. But the thing is, one, one of the, I think one of the most important lessons I've learned, I learned from that like experience, is that something terrible could happen to you, like the the risk. It doesn't work out the way you want it to, and it sucks in that moment, but tomorrow's another day and ultimately i've learned this ultimately very few people truly give a shit and a good and i think that's a good thing yeah totally, so, totally. right so you might as well just put yourself out there i also like it's also i've also had the interesting pressure of when i was in phoenix first time i tried making like i made money strictly for my creativity was when i lived in phoenix for the first time and they had this event called first friday which is the first friday of the month they do like an art thing 
So I'm with these amazing, amazingly talented people. So I had to learn how to talk. I had to learn to have a big mouth. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't sell a damn thing because everything yeah. else around me is just so, so I've learned like, no, I, I, I had a, a compliment at a writing conference this year. It's like, you're a world-class networker. And I am. Mm. And I say that like, well, no hype. No, I can talk to anybody and I'm not afraid to talk to anybody. And that, that's a huge advantage because this whole, the whole game, like, honestly, people hate to hate this. It's who you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that, yes, huge part of it. If you're just sitting there doing your own thing and not getting out there, then like you can be brilliant. But if you're not making those connections, and especially these days, it's going to be hard to go very far. But you're absolutely right about like getting over that fear of failure. Like I talked to, I got a bunch of friends who are in stand up comedy and they say the same thing. Like you cannot be a great stand up comedian until you've bombed a few times, until you've gone mm -hmm. on stage and just absolutely eaten shit. Because once you get over that, once you realize that, yeah, like you said, you know, life goes on and it can only go up and, and you face the actual failure head on and you deal with it. And then you learn to sort of pull lessons from that and apply them and all that kind of stuff. So it's the same thing in the publishing world and in the writing world too. I mean, any writer that hasn't stacked up a, a pile of, of rejections is probably not trying hard enough. Right. So. Well, it's rejection, sure, but it's more than that. It's not even the rejection. I, I actually, here's the thing: I don't even think it's the pile of rejections. Have you actually talked to these editors? Have you talked mm. to these publishers? Have you gone out of your way to introduce yourself? Because there's a difference. Like, okay, I don't know about you. Um, I meet some people. My rejections are nicer now, <laughs> but maybe right, they are nicer. And what I mean by that is, they're very rarely the generic. Here's a note. You said, thanks for submitting. You don't apply, blah, 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 right. blah. Okay. Right. They're like, Hey man, it, I can't take this. I'm sorry. Like, but it's a different, completely different feel. And it open, and again, it's not like the opportunity won't come my way again, somehow, some way. And the reason being is I know some of these editors, I know some of these publishers, I know some of these people. And because I know them, they're going to think of me when it's time for a project. They're going to think of me when it's time to try something. Right. And that's, again, people hate it. It's like, well, this does it has nothing to do with good. Good is relative. I like the other big thing. And this is like a major shocker to some people. Right. Um, you can suck at this legitimately suck and make a living doing this. Right. The, the thing is, can you show up? Do they know who you are? Can you deliver a product? That sounds really simple, almost borderline cynical, but it is amazing. Like, coming back to Calgary, like the, one of the biggest things I realized is people here do not, by and large, appreciate time. Finding reliable people that are going to say, I, I'm, I'm going to be there and actually be there, that is incredibly rare. I don't know why it's so rare, but it's so incredibly rare. And that's why networking works. This is why these things work. Because what, what a publisher wants, what a boss wants, what all these like industries, any industry wants, really, when it got the end of the day. A bit of reliability. Yeah, reliability and consistency. Mm -hmm. that's, that, that's it. That's all they want. Right? And a little bit of accountability. If you fuck up, it means you're fucked up. Unless it's a really big expense. They're probably not going to give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that consistency is important. 
especially these days, like, yeah, they, they want you to be able to show up and do that kind of stuff. And I mean, like with the sort of social media climate and everything, especially for like early-ish people in their career, you, you basically have to be doing all the marketing yourself. So you have to be reaching out to people and meeting people and sending emails and doing all this kind of stuff that a lot of people don't really like doing. I don't really like doing it, but I, I understand that it's a necessary part of the process to kind of build that snowball and get it rolling. Cause um, these days, if you don't do that, you're just going to be buried in the ocean of content that's out there. Right. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, who is Logan McNair? Right. I mean, that's a really like, like, like I, and, and I'm, I'm saying that because um, I say it like that because that's the real secret, right? Is how do I, how does Logan McNair, how does Joshua Pentelaresco, how does whoever's listening or watching this, how do I separate myself from the pack? Now there's, I'm going to say this, there's like one in a, we'll say one in a thousand of us can come down with a super brilliant idea that stands out so much that people go, holy shit, I got to check this out. For the one, for the, for the rest of the 999 of us it's like okay we're about the same in terms of our skill by and large some are better some are worse but it's relatively the same what can i do that they don't what mm -hmm. am i willing to do that they don't because that's that's going to get you that's going to get you the the opportunity for the door to open right it sounds stupid simple but honestly it's amazing how many people don't do it yeah oh absolutely and like it, you can't avoid it it's just unavoidable unless, yeah. you're one of, unless you're one of those people where your name carries enough weight where you don't have to do that then it's but, an unavoidable but, part. and even those people they still do it, it is they don't may not do it to the same degree but they still do it yeah well, you they never have, know they have people doing it for them but, but well, yeah. they might have they, they might have people up but they even 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 sometimes they'll, they'll again it's those opportunities for those conversations too right, right? They're, they go to they go and meet people as well. It's just one of those things is access is harder, but it's not impossible. And they're still going out there because again, if you want to, if you are on top, if you are on the top of the heap, you want to stay there. And the only way you're going to stay there is if you know what's going on underneath you. And guess what that requires? Mm -hmm. you, meet, you have to meet people. That's that. It yeah. goes back to that. No matter what you do. Yeah, it really, it really seems like the age of the, like the you know the big the reclusive writer that we saw a lot of in in the twentieth century. It really seems like that is a thing of the past now. I don't think. Nah, it doesn't. I, to be honest with you, I don't think it ever truly existed. I think it was a myth. It I might honestly, be, yeah, it might be a bit mythologized uh, looking back, but that idea of somebody who you know comes out and you know writes one hit book or something and then just like disappears from public life or never does interviews or never shows their face or never communicates with with fans or the larger public world i mean that's you can't do that these days just no can't. oh no we're, we're we're in an age of access and the senator what has to the decision you got to make is um the decision you have to make is what what do I share? What am I comfortable? Like, again, you don't, I, I don't advise anybody to share everything. That would be a terrible idea. But at the same time, I mean, you have to share something. You've got to be a human being at least a little bit on, yeah. on, on this thing. Right. Yeah. There's that weird, like parasocial ass. Well, you're a podcaster. You understand this. You got people that listen to you and probably feel as if they, they know you even though they've never met you. Right. So 
you have to have something that people can kind of connect with or, or, or speak to on that kind of personal yeah. level. Absolutely. I mean, look, even writing, like, like if you talk about like the craft of writing and something I really realize, it's all in one sense, it's the same, all art's the same. It's about building a connection to people. The, the challenge is how do you do that with writing? It's about, for me, and something it took me a long time to realize is it's about the emotional experiences with characters, right? Does it feel something that I could experience? Hmm. Does it feel real? And what can I do to make, what details, when I put write a story, what details can make that feel real? What details aren't important to make it feel real? And that's probably like one of the biggest challenges when you tell a story is, okay, what's the story I'm telling? And what are the details that truly matter in this story? Right. And beyond that, how can like, what, how do I want to build a connection to people? Right. Do I want to make them, do I want dramatic? Do I want angst? Do I want pain? Do I want to make them laugh like a sieve? Do I want to make them cry? Do I want to make them angry? Can I do all of that because I'm a, I'm a manipulative fuck or you're right. Right. Because that's, because that's, but the whole point is people want to feel something or feel like they're what they get in their time is worth the investment. And the way we do that as creators is we build bridges. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something I noticed with a lot of uh, younger or sort of emerging writers where sometimes they get lost in like the world building portion of it. And they forget that, like you were saying, it really comes down to, to characters and people that I can relate to and, and situations that I can relate to, whether it's in like a weird fantasy world or a science fiction world or a comic book or whatever. Uh, first and foremost, I'm looking for characters that I can connect with. If the world yeah. happens to be cool, that's a bonus, but the, the character should really come first, I think. Well, I think the characters in the world should go hand in hand. That's what I think. That's what I think. They, they should be, they, one informs the other. Uh, just right and, and that and that's the way it should be uh i just send a novel off to my editor and i'm I literally i literally actually i based the very first chapter out of an actual bar i went to in vancouver oh nice Did yeah because bar? yeah well no it, it, it was i forget what it was called it was like you know that you know you guys have these like hole in the wall bars like you know sure, when yeah. if you go on the outside you would never know they were a bar but mm -hmm. the moment you go in so i decided to make i, I took that concept and decided like how would I make the dingiest version of this? Like the mm -hmm. absolute shit. It's like, what would be like the worst nightmare? And I came up with stuff like, okay, they can't even get water, right? <laughs> right? The wall, the roof is actually falling in yeah. this bar. Little bit, but little by little, right? So eventually this bar is going to literally evaporate and disappear one day, right? I actually, and now that I'm just having this conversation, I have to go back to that bar at some point in the series because when it, the roof has completely caved in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just make it a little bit worse each time. Yeah, yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> no, like, make, like literally make give the bar like a name, like, like, like the rolling cockroach, just literally because, <laughs> right? And you're laughing because you, you can see this bar. Yeah, yeah, head, no, right? it's, like, it's like a universal concept of like the, the dingiest bar or whatever and i mean and, and it applies to all sorts of different settings and genres and everything because that's a concept that people can connect with right yeah it's, it's really simple. You're, you're, you're mentioning this place and i can I, I've, I've probably never been there but i can see it in my head and I, i've been yeah. to places like that so it's something that i i have a connection with already yeah you you, you, know? you already know what this place is like yeah exactly. right and, and 
much like you and I, when we, by the way, it wasn't this that bar in Vancouver where the, where I say that they fucked up the water. But you wonder, <laughs> right? How in the fuck did you do that? Right? Yeah. Like it's water. How? Yeah. Like like how? I, and then you're like, do I want to know? Do I really <laughs> want to know the answer to that question? Yeah. Well, those places are fascinating because it's always just like, how do they, how is this place still in business? Uh, who are these like old people that seem to always be here drinking here? Like, uh, it just really makes me curious about like the history of the place and oh, how yeah. it's run and like well, so many questions, right? And I guess that's you know. But well, that's how, the thing. But that's the best. Those are the best stories, right? There's, yeah, absolutely. Little stories within those stories that you mm. never fully get the idea of. But you won't you won't get that idea until you actually go back, and that's the thing you want that feeling, and that and that's really the scene. And again, good science fiction, good fantasy. Science fiction is is being dragged, I think, kicking and streaming into the, these kinds of worlds, right? Mm-hmm. Fantasy, I think, kind of embraced it a little earlier than, than than science fiction did. They're like, okay, I realize this. I can have the coolest motherfucking dragon out there. Doesn't matter. It really doesn't, right? One of my all-time favorite dragon stories is the paper bag princess, mm-hmm. like, right? Robert Munch. Yeah. It's one of my yeah. favorites, right? And really, it because the dragon just it just he wins in like the first three pages, yeah. right? He just wins, right? right. right? And she's got this like paper bag thing, and it's like, right? You're just badass, like she's just badass princess, yeah. And you're just like, okay, I can root for this woman. I I can root for her. Because literally, she's got nothing left to lose. Literally, it got all taken away from her in like the first three pages. And yeah. she's like, and she's pissed. You get it. Like, you totally, totally get it. Right? The dragon yeah. doesn't matter. Exactly. So you're using all these fantastical tropes of like, you know, dragons and that sort of thing. But fundamentally, it's about a very human experience. Can you persevere when you've been kicked down to the ground? Can you get up and keep going when odds are against you? That's a very, it's a very universal concept, right? So- yeah. And really, I mean, I, if you really look at the measurement of life, that's that's what it's about ultimately, sure. right? It's not what where you end up at the end of the at the end of the day. I mean, we all hope to have that happily ever after, right? And but what it comes down to is, um, what it comes down to is like, do we? Who are we when it's hard? Mm-hmm. Because that's who we really are, and. I, I truly do believe that. I think that's why that story has such an appealing aspect to who we are. Like we all like to think we'd be brave, but would we? Right. 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 And that, and that's, and like, what will you stand for when things are hard? Cause it's easy to stand for stuff when things are comfortable. Of course. Yeah. And that's why some of my favorite books are just favorite stories in general, regardless of the medium or, or when they really put their character through the ringer and just like, make them have a real shitty time because i like to see like uh how people react to that and the sort of indomitable human will that perseveres through those kind of things yeah because that's what's that's, that's what's heroic like yeah, that's exactly. like like that's the secret to spider-man right there that's really the secret to him sure yeah yeah exactly so and that's yeah that's why you need to have a character that is you know going to be flawed and going to be challenged and going to actually have to experience real conflict whether it's internal or external because you know that is what the human condition is now our conflicts might not be on the same intergalactic scale or whatever and they might not have the fate of the world in their hands but you know they're still they're still important to us within our own within our own concealed or contained world so uh, they translate very well so 
I just love the fact that we've talked for 20 minutes and I mentioned both Spider-Man and Paperback Princess. I Pretty think that's, good. That, Pretty that, good. That's, a per, that's a personal victory right there. <laughs> Hitting your quotas. That's right. That's right. <laughs> no. So what I think, honestly, I think the biggest conflict today, I'm not talking like the geopolitical stuff going on elsewhere. I mean, I think in North America, I think it's determining fantasy from reality. In what way? I, I, we live in a social media world, like we're, what we're talking about. So it's really easy to isolate ourselves in a bubble, mm -hmm. right? And, and one of the things the pandemic kind of taught me, I have like 12 rules of success. The ninth rule is detach from all outcomes. Sounds like a, sounds like a Buddhist principle. Very, it almost, it almost is, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it, but the thing is, what I realized about all of us is, okay, we all have biases. We can't entirely escape those biases we have we can't do that but one of the things you can do is like we can try to go like okay can i separate myself from my ideas because mm -hmm. if i can do that i can listen to someone i disagree with and not be mad right right mm -hmm. and not be mad because it's not because what a lot of us realize what a lot of us i think struggle with is we have this idea of how the world works and then and because we have the, again, the comfort, and this is kind of the reasons why I want to travel. So also I want to have, I want to imagine the world less. And I want to see it more right. personal, right? Because then I'll have a more genuine feeling of what the world really is. Then, then that's something that, that's something that's important to me. Um, but the reason I say I do that is because it's really easy on here to put people in a box. Right, whether it's a political belief, whether it's something, whether it's something a bias you have, whether it's like it doesn't really matter. And by the way, I don't I don't care which side of the fence you're on. It really, really like we all have an idea of how we think the world works. And then there's what the world works. Now, if we're attached to our idea to such a degree that it the, the idea and the person are almost one and the same, there's no way to convince somebody that things are like they're always going to take an attack a a, a a different viewpoint of the idea as an attack on themselves mm -hmm. yeah but if you but if you detach from the idea again we i don't like when we have conversations with people we disagree with it's not always about trying to convince you to get the other person to agree with you it's about trying to understand where you're coming from yeah. Right. And I want to, and, that, and that's the thing. I want to be open to understand as much as I humanly possibly, possibly for me to do so, because that way I can't, because I can't like we've talked for 25 minutes. I, I mean, we're having a fun conversation. I've made you laugh a few times. So we've got somewhat of a similar sense of humor, but, but the thing is, right. We're different people. I don't know how you came to be who you are. You don't know how I came to, well, you, depending on how many shows you've listened to, you maybe know a lot more about how I came to be who I well, am. But, but, which may, may or may not be accurate. because right, 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 exactly. Right? I'm basing it on what I see, which is what people do, right? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, they, we, we, we see very, very small glimpses of people, and then we put them into categories or put them into boxes based on those small glimpses, yeah. which may or, may or may not be accurate, right? Well, probably not accurate at all. To well, be yeah, or at the very least, a very kind of warped view yeah. of the reality yeah, is yeah so and that, so i think i think one and at least living like i've said this a few times on this show coming back to calgary this time trying to get people to just to go out and meet has mm. been a chore 
I don't know what it's like in Vancouver. Kind of similar. Do you think that's maybe, do you think that's part of a, like a post COVID thing or do you think that's something else? I, 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 okay. So I wasn't, I, this is how I would say it might be a post Canadian thing. I don't know because it wasn't a post American thing. Right. Uh, that, that like I was in San Diego, like ignore the con, just ignore the con. Cause that's not, that's not fair at all. But the fact that I was meeting people talking, talking to people regularly, just talking, bullshitting, right and had the opportunity to hang out with complete strangers just because right mm -hmm. i got more of that in a week than san diego than i got in a year in calgary no, and that's 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 damning a little damn yeah. right and i think i i think canadians buy and this and again i lived in london ontario so when i grew up in london ontario i noticed that people had a tendency there to get, get into their little zones of comfort mm -hmm and stay there. And I think what happened is during the pandemic is I think, I think this is a more Canadian thing than an American thing, but I do think I do. I'm not, I'm sure it exists in the States too. I think what happened is we got very comfortable with smaller circles. And obviously to some degree that might even be a healthier thing in some ways, because obviously some of our friends are not as close as there's cl there's friends, there's like distant friends and acquaintances. And probably there's more of a, more of a, my close friends are my close friends. My distant friends are my right. distant friends. And that's, and, and that, that makes sense, right. To some degree. But I also think too, like this idea of going out and exploring and going beyond our comfort zone. Right. Mm -hmm. I think we got used to, to how small the circle got. And that's, I don't think that's entirely a healthy thing. No, I think, I think you're probably right. And I think like through the internet and through social media, we, we get, a small trickle of that kind of social connectivity that all human beings need, but you know, it might scratch that itch for a lot of people, but at the end of the day, it's not the same thing. Right. No. And, and it's something I've been kind of guilty of myself. And I find it especially true as I've gotten a bit older. I remember when I was young and I, when I was in university and stuff, like I was meeting people all the time. I was making new friends all the time uh, from all different walks of life. And I find that as I get older, like that happens less and less. And it's something that I don't particularly like. So I'm, I'm trying to push back against that now, which is why, like I said earlier, I want to go to more like, you know, writers fests and all sorts of those kind of things. Oh, sure. Try to communicate and connect with people and whether they're going to be open to like reciprocating and matching that. I mean, that's up to them. All I can do is what well, I can yeah, do no, on my end. But. And, and, and that's kind of where I'm at too. Like I'm at that point in my life. It's like, I, I don't, I'm 42. Right. And, and I'm like, okay. I probably got 10 to 15 more years of being active. If I make care of myself, maybe 20, we'll say 20 years. Okay. I don't want to spend my next 20 years just behind a, a computer. I want to meet and talk and interact with people I care about. Right. And I want to do stupid, crazy shit because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, when you get right down to it, there's not much else worth doing. Yeah, and you're certainly not going to look back and and remember fondly all the time you sat, you know, on the computer or whatever. You're going to remember the trips you went on and the people you met and the crazy stuff that you did. That's the yeah. stuff that's going to stick in your brain, right? Yeah. yeah. You know that, and you got you got to constantly do those things, and those are again, and it's something. I, I, how old are you, if you don't mind my asking? Uh, almost thirty-five. Okay, so you're a little younger than me. So a little younger. Only a little bit though. So you're pr we're pretty close, probably the same attitude. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe you give more of a shit, maybe less of a shit than I do <laughs> at this point. Right. But that's, but I mean, that, that's, it, it, that's relative at this point. Right. No, like what you, so you got, you got realistically 25 more years of right before you, okay. Maybe it's going to be a little too more difficult to do these things. Right. So you got 25 more years. So what do you want to do with them? And, and that, so, and you, and, Think now. I say this. I say this. Like I sound like an old man saying this, but it's true. <laughs> Think now, because you don't get the time back. You just don't. And yeah, you know. yeah, it's true. Uh, and that's you know that's that's what they say, right? As you get older, that it's time that becomes the most valuable resource that you have. So, and and I, I definitely start to notice that like if I'm really locked into work or if I'm really locked into something just, and I'm doing the kind of same thing day in, day out. And in my own little world, the days just fly by. Yeah. Like, like I wake up and like a week has passed and I don't, you know, I barely recall anything. So I am trying to like actively fight back against that a little bit. And that involves like, like for instance, you know, I, I drive around a lot or I'll drive home, which is a fairly long drive. And every once in a while, if I'm passing through like a small town, I'll say, you know, I've never actually like gone into the town and like driven around its streets and did this. And uh, the point being that I, I always try to see a little bit more of the world whenever I can, yeah. whether it's just right here in my own neighborhood or whether it's, you know, in a different different province or country. Any day that you can see more of the world, I think, is, is a good day. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I mean, the biggest thing I'm, I, I don't think I'd ever live in Vancouver again, but I will say the biggest Smart. thing. Is the, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I yeah. I'd have to make a, I'd have to be paid a stupid pile. Of money oh, yeah, yeah, think, yeah. think about it. Yeah. But think about it. Right. It, it's, I get Vancouver and LA are similar in the sense that I get why people are there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I yeah. get why. Um, at the same point, everybody tells me the same thing. I, uh, like, like I, I talked to a lot of people that live in LA when I was in San Diego. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah. It's where everything is, but, yeah, yeah. but, but, and, and so you're there, but it's like, if we had our way, we, we, we'd like, you know, we'd live somewhere else. Like if I were to live in California, it would be San Diego. Yeah. Right. It's literally like, it's perfect weather. It's, it's fun. The only downside to it is it's, it's crazy expensive, yeah. right? It's crazy yeah. expensive. But if I could figure out a way around, like, again, I just look at, but I think of it more like this. That's just a one problem. If I can solve that one problem, mm-hmm. I'm there, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's like I, I don't look at it like as an insurmountable thing. But what what I, what I will say is, um, like Vancouver and LA have always felt to me like they're places people go because they need something, right? And once they get what they need, people leave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's strange. When I was young, I because uh, I, I was raised in a very small kind of rural town in central BC, and mm-hmm. I, I always saw Vancouver as like that's where the all the opportunity is. That's where all the cool stuff is happening. That's where all the cool people are. I want to get out and go to that town. That's you right. know, it's happening. It's got art. It's got culture. It's progressive. Blah blah blah. Um, and now you know, now that I've been here for a while, I, I find myself missing the the kind of pace and and, and lifestyle of a small rural town. Um, and it's not to say like Vancouver's got a lot going for it. It's beautiful. It's got a lot oh, of sure. things here, but, um, the only reason, quite frankly, the only reason I stay here is because this is where my job is and it, it'd be hard for me to find a job elsewhere at this moment. So that's really the only thing keeping me here. I think if I could move to a different place, I, I probably would and I probably might at some point. Well, well, I mean, what I would, 
but I hope you really your boss doesn't listen to this show. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I think we're good. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if that's all that's keeping you, then it's time to leave. Like, yeah. I mean, and I say it, I say it like that as a like honestly. You can okay. Yeah, I, I don't know what your job is. I'm sure I'm sure it's it, I hopefully it pays well because you are in Vancouver, right? Hopefully it does. But I'm I mean, if you were in a place where your pace the pace was easier and pay was just a little bit less, right? Might be like I, like I would, I, would, I would take the trade, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> Because at this so, point, even getting paid a little bit less, I mean, the, you're going to make up the difference uh, living outside of Vancouver anyway. So yeah, so I mean, I mean, so so in one very real, so this, I, I mean, this is just this is just me, just as a person to person. If you're not happy where you're at, if you're, it's content. It's a good place, but not a great place, right? We'll say that. I don't. I don't feel you hate Vancouver. I feel more. It's just no, and you're right. I think that's pretty much what it is. It's not. It's not that I. You know, I have all things considered, I have a pretty um, comfortable, yeah, yeah. comfortable life, right? So I don't want to complain and make it seem like no, 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 no. Life, but, but you're right. There's it becomes a, a contentment, I suppose, and and that's well, factors into what we've been talking about about social circles and all these other things. I do feel that there's a bit of a a plateau, maybe that I've reached. And sure. I could very, I could very easily do this for like the next thirty years and have this life and not really challenge myself. But um, I don't know if I would be fully satisfied at the end of that. Would you regret it? Yeah, probably. Then you should right. go. Yeah. yeah. Then you should. And I'm mean, just again, just got a guy. I worked at um, Pure Labor Career for nine years while I was trying to make a figure, try to figure out how to actually turn creativity into a living. Mm-hmm. And I realized it took me a long time. Now I would say probably for, I was there for almost ten years. For the first, I'll say seven and a half, eight years, the job was good for me because I needed I needed that stability. I needed that routine. It was flexible enough that I could change my hours when I needed to to do certain things. Um, it, it had a lot going for it for me. And when it came time to fix my teeth, there wasn't too many better places to do that at. But this is the but. I there came a point there there came a point a long time ago where I had done everything in the job thing I wanted to do. I didn't want to become a manager. I didn't want to move up into management. I just didn't feel like I would be very happy doing that, mm-hmm. right? So I didn't want to move into management. So that what that left me was okay. What do I what do I do? Where do I go? I could stay here. I, I mean, I had job security. I was at the, I was getting to the point where like. I've been in the union long enough now that like mm-hmm. the ben- good benefits were starting to roll my way. I had, I could pretty much do what I wanted on the dock because I, I had the seniority and I could get any job I wanted. So then the question becomes, right. Then the question becomes, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? And again, I was comfortable, but I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And I could, and honestly, all things considered, I could still be there right now if I wanted yeah. to be. And, and a lot of people do, right? A lot of people yeah. just they take yeah. that, and they get stuck and they're stuck, or they just they no, no, just... no, stuck is stuck is stuck is okay. Stuck is a okay. Stuck is actually a good word. It's not all. It's not always the right word. Like okay, like circumstances matter too. Like for example, if you got kids, you yeah, got yeah. a family to feed. Yeah, right. It's slightly, it's a slightly different equation you're factoring in right. in there, and I and that's fair, 
but even then there comes a point in this journey where you've got to be like, okay, listen, I got kids. Do I show them that loyalty pays off at a job or do I show them that when you, it's possible that you want to go for something, you got to take that leap. Now you might not be able to take that leap as fast because again, you're feeding your kids, you're Mm -hmm. feeding your family, but you can still take that leap. And at some point you still should, right? There are lots of like, I know single parents that have their own businesses that are doing their own thing and raising their kids and doing what they love. It can totally be done. Right. But the thing is, you've got to, you've got to make a decision at some, at some point, what's important. And for all of us, that's a different, that's a different equation. In your case, if you don't have kids to worry about, if you don't have a family to raise, then the question becomes for you, is the paycheck worth the, the, is the paycheck and comfort worth the price of you not growing in ways you feel you need to grow. Yeah, and it, I mean that's that's something I've been wrestling with for the last for the last couple of years. So um, those are big questions, right? Oh, and, sure. Uh, not necessarily ones that have an easy answer, but but you're right in that. Like, to, when you, when you wake up in the morning and you're in bed and it feels good, you know you have to get out of bed and start your day and go and do shit at some point. It feels, it feels really good to stay in bed also, right? So I understand why people kind of just, you know, to use that metaphor, I understand why people stay in bed and stay in their kind of comfort place and, and, and don't get out into the cold and go and do things that are challenging and hard. But um, I don't want to end up becoming complacent or I don't want to end up, like you said, looking back at a life and saying, oh, I wish I did that or I wish I could have done that or I wonder what life would have been like if I did this, that or that. Mm-hmm. Um It'd be much better to do these things, even if, even if they, like we said earlier, even if they don't end super well, or even if they uh, end in, in 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 failure or whatever, it's still worthwhile to make those kind of leaps yeah. and to actually help you grow and experience things. So, I, I do you want to hear rule eight? My eighth rule is stay uncomfortable. I like that one. I do. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, stay uncomfortable. Yeah. The reason I that is is. We grow in our, we don't grow when we're comfortable, we grow when we're not. Right. That's just, that's just the way it is. Um, and I, uh, I realized this a long time ago that I do, I discover more cool shit when I just go off into the unknown about myself. And while I may make a shit ton of mix, I, I don't know if you believe in God, I, I do. And if I go, if I, when I go to the Almighty, I'm going to say this. God, I have a fuck ton of mistakes, but I have very few regrets. Yes, regrets hurt, right? right? And I'm good. And I'm. And here's the thing: you're not. There are some mistakes that may haunt you, but they're not. What they're. Those are most of those mistakes are born from regret. Mm -hmm. Like they're born from regret. They're not born from you trying and failing. They're born from you. You trying. You know what? You can look at you can look back and say, you know what? I gave it my best shot. I did everything I knew how to do. And if you can honestly look at yourself in the mirror and say, I did that, you'll live with whatever happens. You'll live with it. You'll be like, you know what? I did it. I tried it. Right. I made an ass of myself. I kicked ass. Whatever the case may be, I did it. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Right. I did it. And you won't ever feel bad about that, no. right? And the other thing too, and something I, re- I, I, again, another thing the pandemic taught me. Who gives a fuck what other people think about what your your choices? 
it's about it's about you it's about you right if you if you are up on being your honest authentic self and people have a problem with it right well they're the problem not you i mean as long as you're not deliberately trying to be like you know hey I, I just want to do this crazy, stupid thing. I want to, I want to skydive into jelly beans. Why? Because why the <laughs> fuck not? Why the fuck not? And and people go, you're crazy. It's like that's fine. I am I am totally cool with this level of crazy. I'm going in those damn jelly beans, All right? I'm even going to. Pro- I'll probably do a cowabunga on the way down. I'm really good with. I am excellent with that, right? And and the thing is. There are some people who are going to look at me like I'm absolutely shaking their head. Like I'm absolutely buck, buck crazy. And there are other people who are going to be like, dude, I admire you. <laughs> this right? Guy, this guy's hardcore. I like this guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's it, right? There's no – I'm not afraid to journey into the unknown. And I learned I learned a long time ago that that I've had my ass kicked. That's the thing. I've had it. It, it It's humbling. But it's also – I fall into kind of that, that, that 10% of people that go through, when they go through those ask things actually get bolder, not actually mm-hmm. don't become less mm-hmm. become bolder because you just know it's like, eh, I'll just get my ass kicked again if it doesn't work out. And I honestly, yeah. I'm good with, and I'm good with that. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that, and that's the thing. Like you gotta be like, okay, I might, I, again, you don't necessarily have to just leap. I, I I'm more, I'm, I'm kind of a leaper. That's just, I, I, I leave. Yeah. I'm not saying do it how I do it. But what I am going to say is, okay, you, you, you may want to take a parachute with you and take it from me. Not going with a parachute sometimes does not work out the way you plan. Um, but once you got your parachute, just just jump, man. Just go for yeah. it. Yeah, and and that, that's a great great point because like so many so so many anxieties or or thoughts or fears that people have stem from like, okay, what is this bad thing that could potentially happen to me? And sometimes it takes actually experiencing that bad thing to realize that, hey, that happened. But you know what? Life goes on. I'm still here. Yeah. And that, and that really helps you get over that fear or that anxiety that you have about the bad thing in the first place. And that's why, like going back to what you said about um, staying uncomfortable. I mean, that's something I've tried to take to heart these last few days. Like, so every once in a while, like, you know, maybe if a, a friend will call me and be like, hey, uh, you know, whatever. We're going to go to a salsa dancing class downtown. Do you want to come? And my immediate reaction is like, well, no, I can't dance. That sounds terrible. I'd much rather just stay home and play video games all night. But as soon as I find myself thinking like that, I go, okay, wait a minute. This is something that is out of my comfort zone. I don't necessarily want to do it. That means I should probably do it. And then I I, I never end up regretting the decision to actually go and do the thing. Even if I don't enjoy it, even if I'm a bad dancer and I don't have fun doing it, I still go home thinking, well, I did that. I'm glad I did it. I could have just stayed home and played video games like any other night and it would have been a completely forgettable night. But I did this thing that was out of my comfort zone and it was a new experience and um, it was good for me. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, that's the thing, right? Like you, you go through these, like that's what life's about. It's, it, again, I'm not saying do this every night. I mean, some nights video games are good. I'm yeah, playing Persona 5. I'm playing Persona 5 Royal right now. When Classic. I do yeah. Classic. Yeah. I, yeah. So you played it. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, yeah well, you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's you, it's okay. You know, self care is good, and you're allowed to you're allowed to have those days. But um, but you know, it, it can be very very easy to fall into that. Uh, well, I, I I Michael Bisping is, did my favorite quote about this. Like he did it on Joe Rogan's podcast, and he said it actually uh, when he they talked about him winning the title. He goes right. Here's what he says: taking a day off 
is okay. In fact, it's con- it takes confidence to take a day off. Mm-hmm. And that's actually, a re- and it's, it's true. It, it really does. I took a day off from freelancing yesterday because I needed it. I needed to just crash. I'd, I'd done a lot of just freelance gigs, one after the other, after the other, after the other. I needed a break. So I took one and I don't regret it. It's con- it, it takes confidence to take that day off. Now, yeah. my, here's the other half of the quote. Now it's one thing to be take a day off. It's another, but eventually, it, but we have we're creatures of momentum. It's a fine line between confident and being a lazy fucker. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, right? Yeah. It's a fine line. But some sometimes, man, you, you just gotta say you're good, and that's totally. I, I I think this is what I've learned. This is this is this is what I've learned with people. It doesn't matter what you choose to do. It really doesn't. What matters is. Are you honest enough about what you want out of this? Mm. Are you honest enough? Like, like, are you doing this because you want to do it? Or are you doing this because you're afraid to do something else? Right. If, if it's the first, then cool. You know what? There's nothing anyone can say to you. Go do it. Have a good time. If it's the second, maybe you need to look in the mirror because I think you're right. Because the person you're bullshitting the most is yourself. And I, th- I honestly think I honestly think the biggest secret to confidence is being honest with yourself about what you want and doing it. Yeah, and and I think another part of it is something you mentioned earlier about how at the end of the day, um, most people don't think about us or care about the things that we do as much as we think that they do. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, it doesn't happen anymore because it's something that I've gotten over. But now, when I was younger, I used to like lie in bed at night and be like, ugh. I, sh- I did this thing that was so embarrassing or I said this thing that was so stupid or whatever. Or I, I made an idiot out of myself. And then you at some point you have to realize that, Hey, these people, I bet you they're not thinking about you right now or the stupid things that you did. They're thinking about their own stupid things that they did. So once Absolutely. you get that, out of, once you get that out of your head, that like, Hey, you're not, you're not under a microscope all the time. People actually don't care that much about, you know, these little things that you do. It allows you to kind of, you know, live your authentic self a little bit more comfortably and a little bit more openly i think i i i i i I say it like this it's okay to be the dumbass once in a while it's okay it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to um it's okay to do something just for you know you know i went to to my buddy had a bachelor party we played nerf bow and arrow and for like the first two nice. games, I was absolutely terrible because I hadn't shot a bow in 30 years. Yeah. I had like this defective, like one of the bad <laughs> ones with none of those things. I couldn't couldn't load the damn thing to save my life for the first two games. I switched bows and I was fine. Man, I got creamed those first two games, man. Creamed. Right. Thank goodness it was nerfed and I had a helmet. One to one shot was just like, oh man. But 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 I mean, you're allowed to suck. Yeah. You're allowed to be like. All these things that people are like terrified of. You're allowed to suck. You're allowed to be stupid. You're allowed. You're allowed to be wrong. Of you know course. what? Yeah. You're allowed. To, like grand scheme of things, I, I mean, in the best way, no one gives a shit about that. It really, right? That's that's not what matters. Did you have a good time? Did you learn something? Did you do something you wanted to do? Cool, yeah. right? Even if you sucked. And we all suck at some point, right? Yeah, exactly. That's where we always got to start. So, But if you're so worried about how other people are perceiving you, then you're never going to get out of that. No. Like it's like, you know, it's and it applies to pretty much anything. I got, you know, there's a friend of mine who's trying to get back into exercising and going to the gym after being away from like 
10 or 15 years. And he's like, I really don't want to go because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm worried that people are going to be judging me or they're going to be looking at me. I'm like, dude, nobody gives a shit. Just go like do your thing. You, if you're trapped thinking about how other people are perceiving you, you're, you're not going to get out of that sucky stage. You're just going to, you're just going to placate there forever. So yeah, you really got to get that stuff out of your head and just start living for yourself and being comfortable with yourself. And like yeah. you said, not being afraid to look a certain way or to embarrass yourself or whatever these other things are. I'm certainly not, I, I don't, I'm not afraid to make an ass myself. They actually gave me an award for it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm good with it. They're, they're so. encouraging you. They're encouraging you. Oh, that's it. That, that, hey, that, 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 that's the way I, I, uh, I, I took up a, I started drawing during the pandemic and like for the first eight months, I was like, what if I suck? And well, then, of course, of course gonna, you're gonna suck. Oh well, yeah, yeah, but 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 that's but again, that's not the thought. Like when you're scared, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? The eureka moment was for me was, so what if I suck? Yeah. You know what? I got to draw. I, I've gotten to draw with people that have worked on television shows. I've got to draw with people that that actually have created comics I've known for over twenty years, right? And I'm and I suck. They don't care. We're just yeah. having a good time talking about stupid stuff like um you know uh, like like whether or not you gotta be hit by mike tyson's a punch from mike tyson or a car yeah yeah right right because that's important stuff when you're when you're drawing yeah yeah, yeah. But, but like like me i like i i like i like learning things i like learning new things and i like trying to teach myself like new hobbies or just, it's, just every once in a while I'll just like get really fascinated by like a random point in history or a random event or whatever and i'll just get really super into it and, um so you're a history guy yeah i mean yeah 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 but like for for example just like this year i decided that like i want to learn how to do like like magic tricks with like cards. okay not like matt you know just like card tricks yeah yeah it's cool yeah it's cool i want to learn how to do like sleight of hand stuff so i bought a few books i watched some videos i've been practicing trying to like manipulate a deck it's just like a random thing that just like i want to get good at or i want to learn how to do that i don't know how i'm going to be terrible at it i've never done it before but i have a desire to learn and um i think the ability to like keep that learner's mind or uh, specifically a, be a beginner's mind is, is really helpful because, like, you know, some people have a very low tolerance for frustration. They say, well, if I'm not good at this thing right away, then it's not worth doing. And I don't want to put the effort in to learn how to do it. But I think if you keep a beginner's mind and accept the fact that, hey, I'm going to suck at this at first. And I'm probably going to suck at it for a while. And that's okay. Then that's how you actually end up learning new things and expanding your horizons, whether it's drawing or card tricks or reading more about something you don't know much about. And that's the kind of stuff that I don't ever want to get away from. Like I want to, I hope that's something that I can keep doing for the rest of my life. Right. So what's your favorite card trick? You don't mind my asking. <laughs> if I had a deck here, I, I, I could, I could show you some, I'm, I'm getting okay. I'm still pretty bad, but like I'm learning the basic fundamentals of like how to would manipulate say, the cards. And... Would you say competent? Uh, Semi-competent. Yeah. Okay. That's, hey, not, that's okay. I might, I might not be blowing any minds yet, but. But soon, because like some, you know, it's I don't know. I just like it's something that I would see people do. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I wish I could do that. Well, I, I just think hey, there's nothing there's nothing stopping me from learning except for my own, you know. I, I actually think card tricks are storytelling. Absolutely, yeah. And and the best, I think the best. You see, you can tell I've been getting into this, but like the best 
uh, whatever you want to call them, magicians or sleight of hand artists, they incorporate storytelling into their act. And that's a huge yeah. part of it. Like, well, yeah, because they're creating, inseparable. It, they're creating an illusion. Yeah. That's what, that, that's what they're doing. Right. It doesn't matter yeah. if it's a car trick or an escape or, or any of those, it's an illusion. Yeah. Right. So you create a, you create a wonderful illusion. Right. And you let and take people on a ride. I mean, and that's like even a car trick. I, I remember I had a, so speaking of magicians, I had an, an, so I went, I remember going to a pizza hut way back, way back in the day. And the server was a musician. He goes, can we practice tricks? Right. Can I practice some tricks? So he had, so he did, he did a couple car tricks. His car tricks were amazing. Like yeah. he, he had that shit down. Yeah. He tried a rope trick. He didn't quite have it yet, but he was getting there. I could still see when he made the switch, right? But yeah. you, but but you watching watching it learn. It's like it, yeah, it's just it's learning the art of where you want. I think the drill secret to a good trick is you know where the person's eyes are naturally going to yes. go to, yes. and then you you're playing with those expectations. Yes, right, right that's that's the real secret right the right most people are like for example you're doing a card trick everybody's gonna look at the cards mm -hmm. they're never gonna look at your hands yeah and that's exactly yeah exactly so like uh ricky jay who is one of like the the masters of sleight of hand stuff and he, he's talked a lot about this about how exactly you want you want to know where their eyes are looking and while their eyes are focusing on your hands or the cards or whatever that's when you're doing the other stuff that's going to be the actual you know trick he was also really good at incorporating like verbal dialogue into his acts. So he would mm -hmm. like, he would use like, I don't want to say like verbal hypnosis because that's maybe a bit too far, but he was really good at like lulling people into like a weird kind of verbal state and using words and language to catch people off guard and to direct their attention and to do yeah. all sorts of other things. So it all goes into like this big act. And like you said, it very much is like a story or a narrative that you're forming um, when well, it all that, comes together well, well that, that's the thing right he was what he was doing was well he was going to be he, he was going to be your buddy and i mean i say that i say it like that not in not in like a, a malicious way but he's your friend listen i'm going to build a bridge i'm going to make a connection with you because the moment i make a connection with you you are going to let your guard down mm -hmm. and you're yeah. going to let your guard down I'm not going to take it. I'm going to dazzle you. I mean, that's where I'm going to take advantage of it. Is I'm going to give you a really cool trick out of it. I'm going to give you a gift. Right? That's why it works. That, that's the other thing too. If it was malicious, people would be a lot more would be a lot more guarded with it. And there'd be no way to break the guard. That's not what he's doing. He's like, listen, I'm going to tell you a story, right? And that's basically like he's not right. I'm be your butt. I'm going to tell you a cool story. And when it's over, you're going to be amazed at the trick I did. Mm -hmm. Right. And, that, and that's pretty much what he does. Now, you may say it in a very different way, but that's what he's doing. Right. So go in there. He won't he'll lull you into a sense of trust. So get you to trust him. And once he's got you, once he's trusting you, that's when he's going to play his money. Like, again, that's when the illusion will show up. Right. And that's why he's good at what he does. Mm -hmm. Right. Because, again, he's not only good at the craft of what he does but he's good at making a bridge with people. Right. And that's the real secret. Yeah. And that was like so integral to, to the entire act was that connection and that sort of um, familiarity with the audience and, and all that kind of like, which, like you said, puts them at their guard and makes them, 
either less attentive or less like, you know, less hawkish about what they're looking for and just a little bit more, uh, a little bit more on ease, which, you know, allows the, everything else to happen a little bit more naturally as well. People want to play. Yeah. Well, people, yeah. People, 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 they, they, want they want to, they want to be amazed. They want to see something cool. Like they want that. Yeah. So they, they'll play, they'll play along just, yeah. but you have to convince them that it's worth playing along. And right. that's the real challenge, right? It's not, people are going to be like, okay, yeah, I've seen a magic trick. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen a ton of magic tricks, but have you thought about this? No, I have. Okay. I want, and then now these, okay, I'm in. Let's show me this. I got to see it. Right. And you know, they're hawking and kind of trying, mm-hmm. they're halfway looking through your book, trying to look through your bullshit. Yeah. But again, if yeah. you're entertaining, you're funny, you're, you're you're a human being to them, right? Eventually, they're going to suspend their disbelief because that's what a good story does. Yeah, absolutely. Right, right? Is it's all about the suspension of belief. So you let them pull their. You let them say, "Okay, listen, I, I'm going. You're, you're going to let your guard down because you have to. But if you do, I promise you. And this is the promise every storyteller, good storyteller, makes." the story I'm telling you is worth the ride you're going to go on. That's right. Yeah. That, that's a really good analogy. It's the exact same thing. We know, you know, we know that he's not really a magician. We know that, you know, he's not magic. Just like we know that there's no such thing as, you know, dragons and elves or whatever, but we accept it. We accept the premise because we're willing to believe that there's a payoff coming. Yeah. So, so like, whatever, throw anything you want at me. As long as you say that, Hey, this story is worth, it's worth the trip that you're taking me on. Fine. I'll believe you. I'll, I'll, I'll accept whatever premise you can give, give me. Now a good storyteller will make it obviously worth the trip. Uh, they don't always do that, but you know, if they're doing it right, then, then yeah, they will. Well, well, again, the response you're hoping for is one, one or two. Okay. Okay. The first response you're hoping for is that they love everything you just did. Everything you, you expected, they went with hook, line, sinker. The other response you're hoping for is that they absolutely hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, 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 you want one or the yeah. other. You would prefer the first, but you're okay with the second because at least then they were, they, they're still emotionally invested in what you did. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the thing, right? It's not, it's not that you want people to hate you, but the people that despise what you're doing are also invested in what you're doing. That's the thing, right? They're just as invested as people that love it. It's just the reaction is different. So don't be afraid of that reaction. The reaction you want to be afraid of is complete silence. Yeah. Or just yeah, total, total complacency or just like no reaction at all is yeah. Like you say, much worse than a bad reaction. I think in, yeah. in pretty much any medium, if you're eliciting even a negative reaction, it means you're doing something. It means you're doing something that's unique or that's outside the sort of standard or something that elicits that kind of response is probably going to be, it's probably going to have something special about it, which may not be for everybody, but there'll be something there. Yeah. Uh, like, look, very rarely does our, okay. People will hate, will hate this analogy. Very rarely are any of us vanilla or chocolate ice cream. Right. I don't know anyone that doesn't like one or the other. Right. Yeah, yeah, Most yeah. people, right. I don't know anyone like any, I, I've had one person on my show in the entire time I've done this, that didn't like ice cream. Just didn't like any ice cream. And not like any ice cream. And mm-hmm. I know I was, I was I, like, yeah, I see your, 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 the, the reaction you just Unthinkable. had. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. But one, everybody else 
there might be a flavor they don't like, and that's fine. Like, look, not every flavor is for you, mm-hmm. but there's a flavor of ice cream for you somewhere. Right. Right. And, and the thing is, if someone goes to me, I don't like that, that I don't like butterscotch. Okay. Butterscotch ain't for you. But did you like peppermint? Yeah, I love peppermint. So, right. You might be their butterscotch. That right. is right. totally fine. They are reacting like they should. It's like, oh, it's like, I can't stand it. That's fine. That's that's the reaction. That's a reaction. It's good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and that's much better if we're using the ice cream analogy. I think that's much better than than trying to create a flavor that like everybody is going to like or that is going to be completely like non-offensive to the palate of the entire world because that's probably going to be kind of watered down and generic and boring. Um, I'd much rather have, you know, a wacky flavor that some people love and other people won't touch, right? To me, that's a lot more interesting well, than well, trying to create something that's has universal mass appeal. Well, 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 well here's the thing. You know what has universal mass appeal? A rice cake. I mean, if you put something on it, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, yeah, I, yeah, bland, I, bland and bland and flavorless, right? Yeah, that's that, that that's universal. That is universal. That's bland. Universal it's it's it's, unoff- it's totally unoffensive. It's totally like not going to you know. Uh, it's, it's totally unoffensive. Nobody, no, nobody wants it. But I mean, I mean, it's totally unoffensive, right? And right, right. That's right. the thing. It's like I, I don't want to be a rice cake in in this industry. Yes. I want to be, yes. a, I, I want to be my own unique and wonderful flavor of ice cream. Yes, I want to be. I, I want to be black licorice. <laughs> I want to be. That's right. That, that, you know what? That, 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 everybody hates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm good with that. You know what? I am yeah. very, very good. I'm very, very good with that. Um, so just just for the record, we went from like paper bag princess to flavors of ice cream. <laughs> this has been a very serious conversation, right. I, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I say it like that because that's the thing. Like, I you can't make everybody happy. You just can't, right? It, it, it's impossible. What you can do, however, is again be the best version of yourself. Let the people that come to you come to you. Let the people that want to run away from you run away from you. That's fine, right? And if someone's really loud and obnoxious about your stuff, I've got. I, I've started. I, I've started to try to perfect this: is turn the people I that hate me the most into my biggest advertisers. Mm. Yeah, I'm yeah. A, they're, because they they will do all kinds of work for you you don't expect, and it's funny to watch them, you know, do it. I uh, so. Again, I'm a competent. I'll say a compliment. I pen, like I do pencil crayon, pencils, inks. So I put a thing up I was doing in San Diego. And someone asked me how long I was drawing for. I said three years. Off and on, right? And so I got this, I got this response with this someone gives me an art book and saying that you need to learn how to draw. Within the same hour, I got my first commission. Hmm. <laughs> Well, there you go. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah right. You know, it's, so it's I working, mean, it's clearly working for someone, but yeah. So that, 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 <laughs> that, that's pretty much it. Right. That's that like, that's how, and that's how I treat it. It's like, you know what? I really don't care if you despise what I'm doing, what, what I'm doing. I've like, I, this is the thing I've learned how to do this. Now, if, if, if you despise me enough to tell me you despise me, this sounds, again, it's going to sound incredibly asshole-ish. Now I'm trying to figure out how to utilize you to help me find more people. Any press is good press, as they say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but no, like I, 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 once in a while, I'll catch myself if I'm writing something. I'll, I'll be like, um, I think people would like it better if I did this or if this happened. And I really got to catch myself and be like, well, that might be true. But is that 
true to what I'm trying to say here? Is that true to the characters that I've developed? And I, yeah, I have to kind of convince myself to say, actually, this is the way I want to do it, even if it's going to elicit bad reactions, even if this is not going to be satisfying, or if even if this is not going to be, you know, the conclusion or whatever it is that people want, this is a story that's in me that I'm trying to tell, and I need to stay true to that. Um, and it's not always easy to do, but um, I think being aware of it is important. Sure. And also, sometimes it's okay not to give them what, what they want. At least well, yeah. them in there. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it sometimes the denial makes them want it more. I I agree completely. That's yeah. Like, I, yeah. I I got um. Yeah, a lot of people weren't. Well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but a lot of uh, some people when they read my recent book, they they found the ending to be the the way that it ends to be uh, unsatisfying. And I'm like, well, that's kind of what I was going for. I kind of wanted to have people walk away with a kind of unsettling right. feeling about yeah yeah true. yeah i i i haven't i haven't gotten into it just yet i by the way thank you very much i, I said this there about part of it i'll say publicly thank you very much looking forward to to it's the next book actually on the after i'm reading um Great. the wonder woman novel by leah Bardugo yeah. right now and as soon as that's done you're actually next on the list okay well so. you you can tell me if you hated the ending or or yeah <laughs> So, so seriously, be honest. Be honest. Be oh, honest no, no, no. I, 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 I totally will. The only, the only thing I will tell you is this: if I think, if I hate the ending, like, okay, so did you read uh, Dark Tower by Stephen King? Yep. Yep. I hate, I, I hated the ending, but it was yeah. the right ending. But it yeah, was well, right, that, yeah, was, exactly. That's the thing, right? right yeah. Those, those two things can exist at the same time. Yeah. You can hate it and know that for this particular story, it's it couldn't have ended any other way. Yeah, and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, some people have trouble reconciling that. But me, I, I, I like, I like that. I like that. We don't live in, like we don't live in a perfect world. That's the no. thing. We don't. We, no. we don't live in. We don't. We don't live in a perfect world. The reason why uh, Dark Tower, I love. Like I love it, it. Like legitimately, the last book. I have no shame admitting this. Right, broke me down into tears two or three times. Like I have no shame. Like there is a couple of those things. Those scenes just. Yeah. Right in the face, like like just hit me. Like when he, get, I'm spoiling this, but then again, the book's 20 years old, so yeah, I'm not yeah, gonna yeah. feel so bad about it. Yeah, he gets yeah. to the tower at the very end, and the last thing he does before is he walks in. It actually makes me cry because it's really because it it is a testament to the journey he went through to get there, and that I I genuinely I felt right what he right. felt right yeah, there. Yeah. And that was amazing. Now I'm not going to spoil it for anyone that's good, that hasn't read it. What he finds at the top of the tower—that is yes. horrible. It's horrible. And, but uh, and, and a lot of people were like upset about that. But like, it's, people, yeah, but but it, I agree. I think it was like I think that's exactly what it, sh it needed to be. But uh, I remember when it came out, there were some pretty strong reactions about. But but it's it's the right ending because the real the, yeah. the true ending of that story is the poem itself. That's the true right. ending. Right. And that is always has been where it was always going to go. But that's not the point. The point is he won. He won and lost so many battles along mm -hmm. the way. You rooted for him. And when he got to the tower, that was his victory. Mm -hmm. That was his real victory. Mm -hmm. Right. He got there. It wasn't right. that it wasn't it, everything else, everything else. Um, the price he paid to get there considering everything like it felt earned it felt like 
he deserved to win. Yeah, he it, goes did. Back, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about good characterization and good struggles yeah. within ha- having characters have good, believable struggles and th- having that be the most compelling part, right? Yeah. And, and, and for him, I, I, I mean, I felt like the, the, the one I'm going to spoil is Jake because I thought that that was – he tried. He tried <laughs> so hard, and it just was like – I felt for him right there and then because that was that was not – that was that was that was a that was a that was a mean thing that happened, right? The way it yeah. did happen, and it was like this is brutal. But when he got there, it was like it was worse. Mm-hmm. But he tried, and that's all you can ask, right? A good character is it. No one wins all the battles, uh, and you don't absolutely. even need to win. And, yeah. and in fact, again, grand scheme of things, real like real life. There's a lot of horrible shit going on in the world right now. Like, like, like the real life for, for a second. There's a lot of big things. A lot of us kind of feel like we have no control over. Mm-hmm. And some of it, and while I, and while I'm questioning that a lot more as I'm getting older, like, uh, like, like, was there something we could have done about this? And part of me actually, and I think in my head, honestly, the answer is yes. The other part of me is like, okay, but again, a lot of people don't feel that way. A lot of people feel this is big and beyond their control. And we see Tara sometimes, the bad guys win, mm-hmm. right? So that, 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 that's what happened in the real world. The bad guys win. Sometimes they win the big battles. Yeah, absolutely. Right? But, or there's not or there's not a clear winner or things are unambiguous or things are ambiguous or things are not resolved neatly all the time. With Yeah, you know. but that's, but again, going back to full circle here. It's about who you are in those moments. Those are where the victories are really won. Those are the, where the real, the real victories in this life are. Are you true to yourself when it's tough, when there is no clear winner? Because good and bad, there's good in everything. There's bad in everything, right? And it's learning to recognize those things honestly and clearly. Um, you know, the fact that you know that people. In the worst moments, again, people show you who they are, and sometimes it's it's incredible what you see. It's like good. Sometimes it's horrifying what you see, mm-hmm. bad, and you're like, okay, right? But those are the real those are the real human struggles. The big problem we haven't changed as a species in thousands of years. We tell the same story as a species over and over and over again. I think the real again the real issue is. Who am I in this moment? Mm-hmm. And again, that's what makes the best fiction too. Again, you don't need the happily ever after. Those are nice. Yeah, there's a time it, and place for sure. But, you know, there's a time and place for stories that are have good moral tales where the where the heroes win and the bad guys are defeated. You know, those serve a purpose and they're good once in a while. But I like a bit more variety. That's a bit more true to real life, which tends to be a lot messier in, in many respects. Sure. But it, it, but you're right though. I mean, like at the end of the day, there's only like what you know since for the last however many thousand years, there only is like five or six different stories just told in different ways. Obviously, well, well the but at the end of the day, they're all about you know they're all it's the same human struggle that's just been told countless different times for thousands of years. But they're all fundamentally, when you break them down to their absolute core essence about the human struggle and about the things that, that, that have always kind of binded humans together for thousands of years. 
And that's why people keep coming back to those familiar kind of narratives and stories and or tropes, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. And ultimately, and, and something and I will say here is, and ultimately the big thing though, I will say is the biggest difference for every story, those five or six stories is in how they're told. And that's what makes everybody unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, similar, similar universal struggles, but obviously everybody's is going to be shaped and flavored by their own experiences, by their own setting, by their own situations, by X number of other variables and factors. And that's what keeps it fresh and interesting. But um, the core morals have, you know, they've been unchanged basically since day one. So. Yeah. And, and I think that, and I think that's, I think that's fine. I think that's totally yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. good. To, it's good to acknowledge that. It's not a flaw. It's, I think it's a good thing to be aware of that. And that allows you to be a bit more creative with the formula. Once you know that, like, okay, this is the story that I'm telling. It's the same story that's been told a thousand different times, but this is how I'm going to do it in this kind of unique way. And with, you know, whatever else, my own personal flavor to it. Um, but you, you know, in order to like mess with the formula, you have to know the formula in the first place, right? Well, yeah. I, I mean, you gotta make a decision. Are you going to truly defy expectations? Or are you going to play into them? Mm-hmm. So, but you have to understand what those expectations actually yeah. are. And and and, right. and both and both both of those directions can make a very good story. It's just having being able to to tell it in an appropriate way and being able to play with convention and or or, or follow convention appropriately is you know one of the most basic hopefully one of the most basic skills that a storyteller will, will pick up. Yeah. Mr. Logan, I wish I could talk to you a little longer. Unfortunately, I do have my side gig calling me soon. So before I disappear, um, you probably should tell people about your book and why it's awesome and made of cheese. Well, you haven't read it yet, so you don't know that, but I'll take that as a vote of confidence. Well, well yeah. yeah. Um, came out earlier this year it's called troll it's a novel um it's a fairly dark story i'll say that off the front but it's about um it's about kind of the stuff some of the stuff we've been talking about earlier specifically what the internet is doing to us and some of the dark corners that exist on the internet and it's a book i wrote after spending a lot of time in these spaces myself um not because i was into them but for work purposes and just generally being alive in the kind of 2010s and seeing how quickly discourse and connection and 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 disillusionment, uh, disconnection, all these things, alienation have really affected us. Um, I had a lot to say, and I tried to put it in this book as accurately and authentically as possible. So if you spend too much time on the Internet and too much time online, and if you're curious about what it's doing to us. Um, hopefully there's some stuff in that book that might speak to you. All right. And how can people find you? Um, I am on X. I still have to correct myself from saying, no, 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 it's okay. <laughs> I, I still want to call it Twitter myself. It's, it sounds weird, right? No, no, <laughs> it, it totally does. It totally does. I, I, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I, I I'm not a big fan of the. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not, I'm not a big fan of the uh, the branding aspect of it. What a, really? It's it's so perfect. Yeah. No, it's tor- I hate it. It's bad. Yeah, it's terrible. Like, let's be <laughs> I honest. I, I I I I. It's interesting. I I, I will say this about the social media. 
as a journalist, I still like it because yeah, it, yeah. It, because because it's the best spot for journalism for journalism on on the web. That for good or ill, it's the truth. The yep. one the one I uh, despise the most, ironically, is Facebook because it doesn't have any. It's not good at anything. It's just everybody's there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, even worse now in Canada with the new. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. So anyway, how can people find you? So we, yeah, we, so they we, can find me there uh, at Logan McNair. They can find me at my website, loganmcnair.com, or just a quick Google search will take you to any of the stuff that I've done. Uh, okay, sorry, uh, did, did I do this right? Am I a trained professional? Uh, M-A-C. Dang it. You would not be the first, believe me. No oh, I, I, I know, I know. But see, look at my last name, see? I, yeah, I, you got you a tough one, too. Yeah, yeah. So, well, no. See, that's why I feel bad, right? Because I, I well, it, 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 it used to bother me. It doesn't anymore. At this point, that's it's what I get. So I get it. Yeah, yeah. That's right. All righty. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so ladies and gentlemen, check out Troll. Now, yes, I have not read it yet, but here's the thing: he finished a novel. That by itself is an accomplishment in itself. So definitely should check that out. Check out Logan. And folks, that will do it this week for the streaming. I will be back next week. I have a cool guest Monday. Kurt Zauer returns to the podcast. I'm probably going to try to sneak in at least one more guest uh, next week as well. But that will do it for this episode of Just Joshing. I want to thank everybody for watching. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay inspired. Keep shining in the dark. And I'll see you guys next time. Healing Hands airs every Monday on channel Healing Hands YYC, hosted by Chanel Bostic. Healing Hands is a massage therapy education show in which Chanel shows you exactly some massage techniques, how to heal, and the basics of getting started. Check it out every Monday at Healing Hands YYC. Click on the link below to subscribe. Josh. Josh.